welcome everyone. This is Letty Medina and I am this week's host for Healing the Whole Person. And this week I have a wonderful guest with me, Linda Corey, who is um, presently working at Mundelein Seminary. Correct. And yes. so why don't we start, Linda, by giving a little bit of background. Just tell us a little bit about who you are. So, let's see. From the beginning, I'm just a girl that was born in Northbrook, went to um, St. Philip's grade school, and then I went to Regina, went off to college, and that's part of my faith journey right there, which includes the not having any faith part of my journey. And then, you know, just to skip over a whole bunch of stuff, I'm now uh, married, have a great husband, two boys, and I work at University of St. Mary the Lake, Bundeline Seminary, and there I direct the Institute for Pastoral Leadership, as well as I teach for the seminary um, as a professor of pastoral care and counseling. Awesome. Thanks for giving that background. So I, I know Linda because I heard, I, I went through a two-year lay leadership program, and so you are involved somewhat with supporting that lay leadership program. And so I got to hear you talk several times and heard a little bit about your story through others. Um, and I interviewed Linda a little over a year ago on my show, Fullness of Life, and she came on and she talked a bit about her, kind of her conversion story. And I kind of wanted to have you back, Linda, because I know there's there's more about your story uh, regarding the topic of healing and um, how God brought healing to your life gently, lovingly, um, when you kind of strayed. You're a daughter who strayed like many of us do, yeah. right? Okay. So why don't we go back to, again, so you're raised Catholic, kind of grew up in the 70s. How did that <laughs> play out? So for me... I was raised in a Catholic environment, for which I'm happy for, so even though we would be considered, in the terms used now, kind of cafeteria Catholic, we would go to Mass occasionally, certainly we're not devout in any way, but I grew up in an atmosphere of faith, which I think is something we take for granted. Mm -hmm. Now I have many friends who were brought up in a-religious families, and they don't, they don't often have the, the the faculties to know what it is to believe. There's um, a certain sensibility of um, a certain abandonment, a certain sense of knowing what it is to believe that I think was set into me. Uh, a suspension of disbelief, I suppose, um, it might be part of it. And then I went away to college and I dropped my faith. Like so many people, so many things were coming at me so many new ideas, so many different influences, and I started to question, I mean, the, the fundamental idea of God, um, but I began to look at oppressive institutions, and I, and I would say that in, in finding myself this way, there wasn't really any place for, for the God question anymore, and there was plenty of other things to, to keep me occupied. So I call this time, I'd say I was I think it, I think it's pretty sa safe to say I was agnostic. To say I was atheist would be way too committed, you know. <laughs> right. I just like just kind of expelled the question from my mind, which one can do for a long time. And in speaking, I like to tell people or remind people that during this time, I honestly really did not know anybody who was religious. Yeah. I, d I didn't say God. I didn't say the word God 
for a, a good 10 years of my life unless I was saying, oh my God, or unless I was talking about the concept of mm-hmm. God. So that's kind of where my 20s were at. Okay. And so, you know, you you kind of fall away from your faith. Well, what what filled the gap during those years? Was it anything in particular that kind of lured you? Um, well, I think that that's a great question because when you drop the God question, I mean, you're kind of left with this, for lack of a better term, existential anxiety because the big questions are still there. I mean, there's there's no way that a human a human can avoid it. You look out into the stars, and infinity exists, and you can't comprehend it. And what do you do? And you can fall into an existential anxiety, which I have to say, kind of infected me. I mean, I could avoid it because I could go out and hang out with my friends, and you know, do these all these other things to keep myself occupied. But there were these these pressing big questions, and um, I think. I think I was so I became I, I think another term for it is somebody who was searching, you know, for this this hole, this God-shaped hole, as Augustine calls it. And I think that really what seeped in, and, and this has to do with the, the times. So this is around the mid '90s. I found myself in the, the Barnes and Noble sections. This is back when they had like Borders books. I think Borders was around then, and I would find myself in those sections that were called this um, sort of vague spirituality, yes, which had everything in it. I mean, it, it could range. It is it is the most vague word ever. I mean, it could be like seven habits of highly effective people could be in the spirituality section, you know. And, right. Um, and I found myself picking up what at that time, I think there's another word for it now, what at that time I think would be called kind of more new age-ish type of things. Sure. Spirituality having to do with, you know, it's the synthesis of you know, Eastern ideas, and then anybody can kind of mush it up and throw it together and produce any kind of um, theology, if you will, or any kind of of way of understanding the world. So I was kind of, you know, looking around in that area. Exploring that. Yeah. And I know, I I think people will pick up on just the way you speak. You have a very intellectual mind. You know, you're, you're, you're a person who likes to learn and you know you you wrote in your history you always wanted to improve so you know how did you kind of go about trying to gain that self-knowledge to improve was it mainly through these kind of books or through classes or so i think that it starts off with this this quest for self-knowledge um i've always been interested in psychology and understanding the human mind and social sciences and human behavior all of those things i've always been quite quite curious about so one can find those those self-help books. But then the, the, the focus ends up being in, in self-help books often about how you help yourself. It's, it's very, you know, we grow up in an American culture and everything is extremely centered on the self and then the and sort of the agency, your sense of agency and independence. So there were those self-help books, but also the part of me that, that wanted to chase down ideas of, I don't know, more esoteric ideas of... Um, of an intellectual nature maybe so you can look within literature to find things to explain why god doesn't exist and how it's really a mass of energy so you can turn to some hoochie coochie quantum physics that there's there's just anything out there that you want to answer your questions mm-hmm. and but also realizing that in the middle of that i'm just trying and 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 reading and, and hoping to find some place to land. 
and it's like being um, like a hamster on a wheel. And the more you keep turning, then, then there's another book, and then there's another thing, and there's another idea, and there's no way to synthesize and bring it all together. And it's like being on this this mad chase for something. And when you're somebody who's curious and likes to read and like to explore ideas, there's <laughs> there's you know an absolute cacophony of things that can fill up your space. So it's wasn't satisfying it was really confusing but it was really full of ideas yes okay and that uh, it's interesting that you describe it that way because I have met many people throughout my own journey um, who have kind of stumbled into that kind of um, self-help kind of exploration as well right because nobody wants to feel bad inside right we or, or limited. Mm-hmm. We want to grow. We mm-hmm. want to improve ourselves. We want to feel good. Mm-hmm. And we're always kind of seeking, well, how can I improve myself or my life? Or So it's not surprising that you kind of fell into this. And also, you know, one of the things I didn't include is I did, I did go on to become a licensed clinical social worker. So I do see a lot of benefit in the um, in the healing that goes through through counseling and through um, you know talk therapy or co- I mean there's so many different kinds of therapies and I, I, I do value that and Absolutely. I do value self-help a lot um, it can get you so far yeah and um, at least uh, when when I was in my 20s I was I was so curious about these things such as psychotherapy and I figured that you know I was curious about it so I would go see a counselor because I was interested in the concept of it um, that's how God tricks me into doing a lot of things because <laughs> I get interested in the concept and then hopefully he, he he's able to lead me in the right direction so I found myself in therapy and um, was able to you know analyze things such as my upbringing nurture how nurture nurture and um, had created my thought patterns and what were negative thought patterns and what were true and what wasn't and and all of that kept me occupied too, but after a while, I had um, I had analyzed myself quite well and quite efficiently, and I had I had really had no more. To, I had figured it out, but there's still this hole. It's still like I don't know, and, and I, I suppose I'm I'm not really adept at um, the language of healing, and I'm learning about this language of healing. I have a I have a much different language because I read different books and I understand things differently. Sure. But I can see how these things, um, so I'm curious to talk to you today, to, so I can see how these ideas of healing come in and, and what specifically healing is. So I can say for sure, you know, where have I been healed during those times? I think I, I, think I was healed in some ways, but not completely because I was still left wondering. Yes. Right? Okay. And that's interesting. You know, in your history, you, pr- you shared with me I didn't know I had anything to be healed. And I had the exact same experience when I started going through my own deeper spiritual healing. I was surprised by it. I was like, wait, why are you (laughs) doing this to me, God? I didn't think I needed healing. Right. And yet I did. And so it's, it's interesting that we can kind of be surprised by the fact that there is something uh, that God wants to do deep inside us. So let's talk a little bit about your experience of God's grace. And because and here you are kind of throughout that question, like, no, I'm not even going to look at the whole God question right now. I'm exploring life. I'm growing in my knowledge as I'm studying. I'm becoming more self-aware. H- how does God come back into to the picture at this point? Well, interestingly enough, I don't think God ever 
you know, he doesn't come back in the picture. I mean, and it's not that that's what you meant. He was always around, right? For sure. It's just Absolutely. I, like, Absolutely. I didn't see him. Um, so people talk about the idea of searching for God, and it's like, you don't have to search for God. He's not hiding, you know? <laughs> God's God's searching for you. It's like that poem, Hound, Hound of Hell, right? He just keeps coming after you. So it's only in, in retrospect that I can begin to see, like, let's take this 10 years of my life. Let's say it's age 19 to 29, you know, something in the middle of there. And um, I- in the midst of that, I look back at all the chaos and all the activity and all of the things that were happening. And when I look back, I'm like, well, God was there. And and really the way that I think God was there was just protecting me. Because as I look back at that time, I realized that I really ended up surviving a lot of dangerous things um, that could have really hurt me. Um, and I was always thankful during that time. I was always thankful. I knew I had a good life. I didn't know what to be thankful to. So I would be thankful in a vague way, or I would be thankful to the universe during that stage. But right. I wanted to express my gratitude, and I wanted to express my thanks, because I knew that I was being protected uh, in some ways from some of the ills that other people were experiencing. So I, I don't really know where exactly where God showed up, because during that time, I think that he couldn't intervene in any kind of direct way because I I wouldn't have even recognized it was him. I would have indicated it was anything but him. But in hindsight, I know that he was there. And it was when I began to have the, the flittings in my mind that he might exist again is when I could begin to see his graces in a much more blatant way. So, okay, can we go into that? Well, what do you think were the flittings in your mind that made you even think he might still exist? I, re- I mean, I specifically remember this moment. I was looking, um, I was working as a, a counselor, and I was looking out the window, and it was, I was in central Illinois down by University of Illinois, and I was looking out the window, and it was like a cornfield, and it was beautiful, and I'm like, oh... 28 years old I've accomplished everything I've wanted to accomplish I've gotten my degree and I'm a therapist and I have this great group of friends and blah 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 and I I looked out and I had this I describe it and this would only be for people who grew up in the 70s that would know this image but I describe it as like sometimes when I was watching a really old show on channel 44 if anybody remembers that like a a little hair would get caught in the side of the screen sometimes yes. in old films, you know, and it would be like, <laughs> and it was, it's just a hair. Yeah. And like, I remember I had that feeling where I'm like, something's awry. <laughs> and, and I, and I was like, what is it? What is it? And I was just like, huh, I think I haven't dealt with this God thing. What's so amazing is this is in the book, Life of Pi. Um, you take one step toward God and he comes running at you. Yes. So it's like this, p- literally a pinprick where <laughs> I'm like, huh. <laughs> and I, I can begin to see the, the whole narrative of my life slowly change after just that little pinprick of, like literally a pinprick of grace. Nothing came from that thought as, except for me going, huh, interesting. Wow. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. So, I mean, I know enough of your story that I know that there was a time where you started going back and s- to, the, to the mass. 
Oh, yeah. And, I mean, I'd love for you to share a little bit about maybe how part of that kind of played into your awakening faith. I think it's, I think it's absolutely huge. So I was brought up Catholic, and um, even though I was marginal about my faith, I was, was into it in some ways. As I look back, I have language for it now, which would be that I, I did have a relationship with Jesus. So as much as there's criticism of, you know, the 70s kind of catechetical crisis, there's also this thing where I did feel loved by Jesus. I did. Um, so I, I had this, and, and also I was baptized, and I, I look at that now. Oh, thank goodness, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and w- when you're searching and you don't know where to go, there is familiar things, right? And my, I, I, I say this because it, well, because it's true. My life was loud and chaotic and filled with things. And one day I was walking and there was a church. And it was familiar to me because it was a Catholic church. I knew what they were. I knew there was going to be a vestibule. I knew I was going to walk in and I knew it was going to be quiet. And I didn't feel like an outsider. I'm like, huh. And I walked into that vestibule and I walked in and it, I get goosebumps. And I sat down, and it was quiet. Mm. That's all it was. It was just quiet. And I just sat there, and I was like, huh. And then I just started going, and like now that I look back, I mean, it's the presence of Christ is in there. But I think what's really important is that I was able to go in there because in some ways I, f- I felt like I knew what it was. So when I think of parents that you know, bring up their kids and then they lose the faith. And it's like, I'm the poster child for that, (laughs) right? But that familiarity and those things that we expose our children to during these times of crisis, which often parents don't know about because they go on inside of their their children during these growing years, that there are these places of sanctuary and it's a place of familiarity. And for me, it was just a place of, it was just a place of quiet. Mm -hmm. So I found myself going there, but I had to be sneaky about it, right? Because I didn't want my friends to know. They'd be like, wait, what? (laughs) So I just started going. And that's like, that was a little bit later on. But I think that that's a big part of it. Yeah, so beautiful. And I I just, I want to emphasize your point of the silence. You know, in, in our world today, right, where there's so much noise. There's, you know, riots going on. There's loud opinions coming from the media and all sorts of political figures. There's always music on many times in our cars, in our homes. Um, there's very little room for silence in our lives. I agree. And sometimes I think it's so strange that COVID and the whole experience of, of COVID-19 could have really driven us all into more silence. But what erupted from that silence is like the most chaos and the uh, so much loud noise, just this like cacophony of noise that's happened since then yeah and like there's there's just uh, there was such an opportunity and I mean I've certainly been able to find a lot more silence during this time than ever I've been very blessed by this but nonetheless it's it's in that silence I think it's in in Isaiah that they talk about you know God doesn't come in the thunder God doesn't come in you know these other loud moments God comes in in the still soft breeze. I think that that's what scripture says. Yes, for sure. And, uh, you know, I just want to encourage listeners to really take that to heart because if you are at a a point in your life where you're struggling with the chaos, with the noise, with 
a lot of distractions and maybe anxieties, try to find a place like a church where you can go and sit in silence. It's one of the greatest gifts. Well, and it, but but it takes a sacrifice because you have to give up all that input. So it can be if you're used to a lot of input. Yeah. Going into that silence is a sacrifice because one, you get afraid of missing anything. And I, I totally think that the devil works through like news addiction. Yes. Because so you think everything's important. But honestly, try this, everybody. If you skip the news for a week, I know it feels like I'm going to miss something and it's going to kill me. But if you skip the news for a week, you can, you'll be all caught up if you listen to it the next week. Just doing fasting from news for a week. is a good thing. It's but but it's an act of faith. It isn't just that yes. th- you have to acknowledge that everyone will be like, oh, fast from the news. And it's like, it hurts. It's <laughs> scary Yeah, when you're know. used to it. But it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's an act of faith and it's an act of hope. And it's, it can be blind faith and it can be jumping off a cliff for some people. But I, I think that it's a really important thing to do because I think in the midst of all of this cacophony of information, it's impossible for us to hear that still soft voice. And, and there's a huge danger in the middle of that. Absolutely. And, you know, I'll share that when the Lord began to bring healing, deeper healing, spiritual healing into my heart, it was sitting in a church in silence in front of the Blessed Sacrament. That's when he kind of revealed to me that he wanted to go deeper into some of the old wounds of my life. And so um, it, has been a, it has been a great blessing for me. Mm-hmm. And obviously it was a place of sh- sanctuary for you when you were looking for that peace that you apparently didn't have at that time in your life. Right. Is there anything, you know, we have about a minute and a half before we go to commercial break. Is there anything else you want to share about that time frame before we go to break? Um, I think just that I didn't know that I needed silence that in some ways I didn't know what I was even looking for. It's like I was, this is this is where the Holy Spirit is so interesting. I wasn't like, I need to go into that church because I need silence because my life is so chaotic. I had no idea my life was chaotic. I loved my life. I <laughs> thought it was so interesting. Exactly. And so it, it's it's interesting to me that it that a lot of these things don't come forth from our our knowledge that these things come forth because we're moved literally by the Holy Spirit into these places. Yes, and and we have to respond to those promptings, and you did respond by going, huh, there's a Catholic church? I remember being in a Catholic church. I found silence in my past life in a Catholic church, and I'm going to go and check it out right now. Yeah, exactly. So what a beautiful gift that was from heaven. We'll be right back after this short commercial break. Please don't go away. Linda has much more to share about how God has brought a tremendous healing and grace into her life. Thank you. This is Letty Medina with Healing the Whole Person. Hi, this is Wes Riccio from the Holy Family Catholic Bookstore, wishing the fullness of God's blessings upon all those who will soon be receiving the sacrament for the first time. If you have a child, grandchild, or godchild being baptized, 
receiving their first Holy Communion, or being confirmed, remember that Holy Family has the area's largest selection of gifts, accessories, and supplies to make their special day more memorable. The Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is at 9249 Old Green Bay Road, Pleasant Prairie, Wisconsin. More information, including a virtual tour, is available on Facebook. Are you retired or near retirement? Do you want to keep a larger amount of your assets in a safe place with guaranteed interest rates to protect yourself from a huge market swing? Are you amazed at how low the interest rates are at your bank? If you said yes to any or all of those questions, you may want to call me, Matt Tomlinson, at Catholic Financial Life to discuss our guaranteed fixed rate annuities. Call 847-548-MATT, 847-548-6288. Products not available in all states. Welcome back, everyone. This is Letty Medina with Healing the Whole Person, and I'm here with Linda Corey. And we've been talking uh, about just Linda's upbringing, uh, time in college in her 20s when she kind of drifted away from the faith, um, drifted away from even thinking about God, which I think a lot of young people do. Um, and But we're here to talk about healing and how God brings healing and wants to bring healing to all of his children. And again, part of Linda's story is that as a young woman, she... Uh, had some experiences that maybe led her down a path where she made some choices that were very life-altering choices. Can we get a little bit into that aspect of your story? Sure. So um, during this time in my 20s, and, and talk about filling filling the gap, filling the God gap in my, my sense of searching for meaning, if you will, um, I had found myself very committed to a lot of causes. And one of those things was... Um, women's causes, the idea of women's health, and this had led me certainly into a lot of the ideals that are uh, kind of encompassed in this Planned Parenthood mindset. So to make a long story short, I found myself, I didn't find myself, I wor I started working at Planned Parenthood. Yes. And um, it was a very conscious decision, um, which I tell people I took a pay cut to go work at Planned Parenthood because I had believed so much in, in their mission in the idea that women need to have autonomy over their bodies, women need to have good health, um, and need to be able to afford that kind of health care. So, <coughs> excuse me, so I began to work for Planned Parenthood, and, and I had volunteered for Planned Parenthood for a long, long time before that. I just had, that was kind of the, mm -hmm. the, the place I was in, it was my mindset. Yes. And in working for Planned Parenthood, I, uh, I, w I was a, um, sex ed counselor sorry everybody but that was me I was the <laughs> <laughs> I was that person who came to the high school and but but I really did believe that it, uh, it was committed to the idea that we should prevent pregnancies because certainly an unwanted pregnancy would result in a girl having to make or a woman having to make a difficult decision and I knew that that was a difficult decision and I also completely believed from the bottom of my heart that abortion was the best answer to that. Yeah, I really did, and I mean, it's it's. I'm going to be talking about this this weekend at a, at a couple different events that are going on in the area, pro-life events. But I think it can be very hard for people to understand how convicted I was of this, and so although I didn't celebrate abortion, I never did. I never thought it was like a wonderful thing. Sure, I thought it was an absolutely necessary evil. 
if you will. Maybe I wouldn't have used the word evil, but I thought it was a necessary negative thing to happen in mm -hmm. order to save women's lives. And so that was the mindset I was in. And also during this time, kind of living the lifestyle that I did, I found myself pregnant. And I was, I was pretty into the idea that it was important. It was my responsibility. I got pregnant. Yep. And I was like, I'm going to have, I'm going to have this baby. I didn't play a, lo a lot of the stupid games of like, it's not a baby. I mean, that just seemed dumb to me. Like, this is my responsibility. I did this. And I took all the, res all the, you know, not precautions. I took all of the steps necessary. I got insurance and all of this. And it would have been fine to carry the baby because my, my parents would have been annoyed, but they wouldn't have ostracized me. And sure. certainly my peer group wouldn't have been scandalized, you know. It wouldn't have, it wouldn't have hurt anything. But in the meantime, I was, I, was like, I was scared out of my mind. I mean, I couldn't eat. For, for like weeks, I couldn't eat and sleep. It's like feeling anxiety from the tips of your toes to the top of your head. I could barely breathe. And then um, one time, one day, it struck me. It, it just came into my mind. I can have an abortion. And it's like all that anxiety went away. And I felt like I could breathe for the first, first time in weeks. And maybe indeed it was. And then I, I just you know my my somewhere inside of me there was a sense of this isn't this is something i shouldn't do what about the baby and i just turned that part of me off sure and i mean that's sort of the definition of sin we, that's a major way of doing it but it's kind of what we do all the time anyway right because sin is i want it my way and i want it now right yes so i did that and i did have an abortion a few weeks later and what else is interesting, th this, this whole idea of not knowing you need healing, I find this f fascinating, but also just, I don't, I don't quite know what to do with this. It's, it's interesting because for 11 years, I literally felt nothing. Mm -hmm. I mean, I kind of thought it was like not the best thing. I didn't really want to talk about it, but I didn't, I, I didn't have any idea that I was hurt by it at all. And... Then one day, so this is well after my conversion, you know, this is um, a couple of years when I'd kind of, I started getting um, kind of my sea legs with being back with, um, being back with Christ. And I was standing in my mom's kitchen and just like out of the blue, it, it's like this thing got inserted in my head and it was, you had an abortion and I had a panic attack. Like, I'd, I've never really had one in my life. For all sure. of you who suffer from panic attacks, they're, they're horrible. It's like you're dying. Um, I didn't know what to do. I couldn't gather my thoughts. It was extremely distressing. And plus, I'm a therapist, so I couldn't analyze myself out of it. I knew I was having a panic attack, but you can't talk yourself out of it. Yes. And it was then that I realized that there was something going on with me. And I didn't know what to do. So once things calmed down, a, l a long time ago, I, th I had confessed in, in confession that, uh, that I'd had an abortion. And the priest had given me this Project Rachel card. Okay. Thank goodness. Mm -hmm. So I had it l laying around. And I'm like, oh, there's this place I can call called Project Rachel. I have to admit that it was hard for me to call for a couple reasons. One, <laughs> maybe it's pride and ego. I'm like, 
I'm the therapist. Right, right. I should be able to do this for myself. Mm -hmm. I can understand and read about this. There was that. But this part I also find um, interesting. When I called, the person at Project Rachel at the Archdiocese of Chicago answered. First of all, she was really nice. And I found myself crying right away because she was nice. You know what yep. I mean? And I'm really yeah. vulnerable. I'm like, oh, somebody's being nice to me. Yeah. And I felt really stupid. And, and th this struck me. She's like, yeah, what you did was wrong. But she said it really nice. Uh-huh. But you can be forgiven. And I don't know why that was so important to me. It just became very simple to me. Rather than this confusing thing, because I think a lot. I'm like, am I culpable? Am I not culpable? Was it wrong? But what were my intentions? And the life sure. was lost. But is the baby going to heaven? And like, I've got these oh. millions and millions and millions of ways of trying to figure out if, is it a sin? Is it not a sin? I feel bad about it. And in the end, it was just this simple like, you did something wrong and you can be forgiven and I'm like huh that sounds good that sounds great but then once I knew that I did something wrong and I could be forgiven which I saw as being in the future by the mm -hmm. way I'm like okay I'm like at some point I will be forgiven once I really grasp this thing mm -hmm. that that I did but it's almost like it gave me the courage to look at it and to be able to understand why I made that decision, understand, you know, whatever parts of it were selfish and sinful, but also all those other parts that were the environment that surrounded me and, and how this sort of understanding that abortion is okay was the water I swam in. And, and why is that? Why is it that I, I questioned it, but I didn't question it? Um, why is it that I questioned the, uh, the rightness of it, but I didn't keep questioning it? So it, it really made me um, dive into it. And then uh, to talk about my healing, all I, all I know is I, I went through the, the process, and there, there is a process to go through where you can go to confession, name your child, you have a mass for your child, so we have good, good, good priests who help you through this. We have the sacraments. We have the church. But I do, I, I think the thing about healing, at least in this instance, is that healing, it doesn't mean that I don't carry this, right? Yeah. Um, it's not like I'm relieved of the fact that I did this or that, that this happened and I think sometimes it can be confusing because it's not like I want to be I don't I don't want to be forgiven and forgotten I did this sure it doesn't need to be forgotten I don't want to act like it didn't happen I want to own it and therefore if I want to own it and continue to carry this cross I, I, I liken it to the idea that it's like a scar you touch it, it doesn't hurt but you know something's different and something's there and I want to own that scar that's mine yes and it's um, it hurts sometimes, yeah. But I can deal with it because I'm loved and because I'm forgiven. But it's not gone, and it never will be gone. Right. It's part of your history. It's part of my history, and it doesn't have to be gone. It just doesn't stop me from functioning in this world and from feeling loved and lovable. Amen. And that's God's mercy, right? When He reveals that, you know, 
your sins are not bigger than my mercy. No, not at all. Not at all. And it's like, um, I think with big sins or dramatic sins, and that's a big one. Yes. That's a really big one. Um, it's, it's very weird to say, but it is like a drop in the ocean to him. Yes. A sin is a sin is a sin. Amen. And he's like, I'm not holding on to it. Why are you? So this whole idea of self-forgiveness, this is, yeah, and I don't, I honestly, I don't have a lot of really good vocabulary or a really good understanding of what this self-forgiveness is because I think that the one thing I've come up with is that forgiveness isn't a feeling, it's a fact. Mm -hmm. So when you're forgiven, like that absolution, sorry, you're forgiven. So I think a lot of people are like, I don't feel forgiven. I don't know. I don't know what feeling forgiven, maybe there is a, a sense that goes with it, and then I think about self-forgiveness. But I don't really understand very well what self-forgiveness is. I don't know if I've really wrestled that one down to the ground. Sure. I think, you know, my experience in my own need to forgive myself for some of the big sins that I've committed throughout my life, um, part of it is is allowing God's mercy into those wounded areas of your life and really trusting mm. that he has put them into that ocean of mercy and they're washed clean and you're right there's still a scar there but it doesn't hurt anymore and I've trusted that he really has taken it from me and I don't have to hold on to that guilt or that You're right. self-recrimination anymore. Like I can let it go because my God has told me that his love and mercy is bigger than all of it. I think you're exactly right. I think for somebody who, who functions the way that I do, I believe that I should think myself out of it. Where really it's trusting that, because that's actually how it feels. Yes. That's actually how it feels. But I do wonder if a part of me holds on to things because it's like a self-recrimination. Yes. And I, I really want to hold myself responsible. And the, I think that the one way I can, I always have to think everything through, <laughs> um, is because I'm a mom now. Yes. Like, there's nothing, there's nothing that would stop me from ever loving my children. Nothing. Like, exactly. no matter how big it is. Exactly. And... Uh, if I saw them sitting there and being like, remember when I did this? And I'd be like, I totally forgot about it. Let's move on. <laughs> like, I <laughs> right. totally love you. Amen. And like, I can, I can make that transition in a second. So begin to apply it to me and to be relieved of, I don't know, maybe a burden that, that God, you know, it, scripture also says my, my burden is, my burden is light, my yoke is light. And maybe it's light so that we can we can move and we can do our mission and we can be disciples and we can go do other things and Amen. really holding on to things ends up slowing us down or not allowing the grace of God to move through us. Yes. So it's like he loves us. I think it's just hard to comprehend. Like he loves us that much. It's true. It's very hard to comprehend his amazing love. But you can you can feel it in yes. the silence, yes, right? Yes, you can. You, yes, can, you can. can feel it there. Yeah. And I think the beautiful thing about you, Linda, is that you go out and you share your story in all humility. And that's what I see, is that you're willing to talk about these mistakes, sins, past, you know, confusion in your life, which in the end, God led you back 
through his amazing love and mercy, through the church, through the sacraments, through Project Rachel, through a variety of ways, through that one little panic attack, standing in your mother's kitchen. Totally. That was God kind of maybe waking you up mm-hmm. to the fact that, hey, you really need to look at this again. Yeah, right? right. And he does that for us out of love. And it's a beautiful gift that he's always willing to give us grace, more grace, to go back into those mistakes and those sins and those wounds from our lives. And nobody escapes it. Everyone listening right now has wounds in their heart. And no, nobody escapes that. Everybody needs healing on some level. I don't think anybody's ever perfectly healed. Okay? It's yeah. a journey. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. But we have a divine physician who loves us. Yeah. And who wants to take us deeper and deeper into that freedom that only he can give yeah. through his love and mercy. Yeah. Right? And so it's, it's, it's being able to receive more and more of that and letting go and, and letting him really take control in all of those areas. Yeah, I think that's something I'm still learning. I've been, um, since around August, I've been praying the surrender novena. If anybody out there, find it. Um, it's just, it's really simple. First of all, it's pretty short, so it isn't like this incredibly time-consuming thing. Um, but but it, it, it's, it's really about surrendering to Jesus, which like, it's, it's just good to say. It's almost like, for me, it's like, fake it till you make it, right? Just keep saying it. And like, I don't know what it is to surrender, but I know if I say it, and that, you know, God will. There's this other prayer that's like, God, I don't know how to pray. Teach me how to pray. Yes. God, I, I don't... I don't believe, help me with my disbelief, right? Yes. And you can even pray in this really helpless way that's like, probably not doing this right. Uh, Merton talks about this in a prayer. It's like, God, I know that I cannot, I'm probably not doing things right, but I know that my desire to please you does indeed please you. Amen. And I'm like, oh, that's enough. That's all I have to, that's, okay, that's it. Like, you, you know I'm trying. Like he, he does, like, and he does. And he's, and he's, He's good with that. He's like, great. Okay, come on, let's go. Exactly. And um, it's so I, f- I found with that surrender novena. I mean, this is sort of this new phase of my life, and I'm I'm blessed by COVID for this because it's like slowed me down. Like I mm-hmm. like I hit a wall, and I'm like, whoa, wait. <laughs> I'm at home all the time. Yes. And um, and so I've I've literally had the time and the space to to try this surrender thing out more, and it's new for me. And it's almost like I feel like this is the next leg of, of my journey, is this um, this letting go and trusting. It was so great to pray the chaplet before this. Jesus, I trust in thee. And you say it so many times, yes. you know. Yes. I trust in thee, I trust in thee, I trust in thee, I trust in thee. And it's, it, I remember my husband when we first, um, I think it was when we were engaged, he said something to me like, I think something was going on. and was really awful and he's like thank god for it and i'm like are you crazy <laughs> like that's a lie <laughs> like i'm not gonna lie to him and he's like oh i don't know what he said but i like tried it and i'm like thank you for this god one it, it made me more patient with the situation yes. but secondly you look back and you're like oh yeah that was actually great that that happened that's where that hindsight seeing god in hindsight so important it's like 2020 but it's like <coughs> in those moments to get into the habit of thanking God for the hard stuff, yes. even though you don't mean it. Yes. <laughs> it's like, I don't yes. mean it like, thank you, this is great. <laughs> I mean it like, thank you, I trust that this will be redeemed and you will bring goodness Amen. out of it. But even if you don't feel it, exactly, your intention 
God knows your heart. Your intent, God knows your heart. Yes. And and he'll help you carry that. But that's 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 the that's the that's like the area of my of my life that I'm I'm trying to enter. Beautiful. I'm trying to enter into more. Beautiful. But it's still new and it's still fresh. Yeah, for sure. And I'm going to affirm what you're saying because you know, in my own journey and and what I've seen in other people who are seeking the Lord with all their heart, right? It's such an essential part of the journey of healing and growing in holiness and becoming the people we're called to be is to really surrender our lives to the Lord whose plan is perfect for us, who wants to bless us in mighty ways. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy. There are going to be challenges. There are going to be trials. There are going to be times of purification that are very painful. And yet his grace is sufficient for us. Yeah. Always. Always. And so when we trust and when we surrender and go, Lord, I don't like this at all, but I have no choice other than trust in you because you have always been there for me. And I'm and you love me and I know you love me and I love you and I am in relationship with you and so I'm going to let go and I'm going to lay it down mm-hmm. and he's never failed me I know he's 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 really great that way and he never will fail us and he never will and he never he never has and that's where I think looking back at your life when you can start to do this and if if you can start to do this when you're younger it's good yes. because I I I really think it's true that as I look back it's all the happy accidents that have created who I am. It's not these like big, I decided I was going to do this. Those aren't the exciting times. It's always like, I thought that this was going to happen, but something awful happened. I ended up here, and then this great thing happened. It's always, it's that God writes with straight lines. Like, God writes straight with crooked lines. Yes. And um, now that I've had enough life experience and enough reflective time to look back, I'm hoping that when I go through my next suffering, whatever it may be, or my next exactly. horrible time that, that's really difficult, I hope I have the ability to look at it that way, which doesn't make it easier. Right. That I have friends that will be praying for me. Yes. Because of as I've watched some friends go through some horrible things in the last years, just things that I can't even imagine, I do know that they've said to me that they can literally feel the prayers of the people around them. Absolutely. And I'm so relieved by that because when people are going through these things that are just impossible to fathom and to know that I can sit in my room and I can pray and that that contributes. Beautiful. Isn't that so great? It's amazing. Like we're <laughs> just we're part of that. And, I'm and I want the listeners to hear that because the power of prayer is one of the greatest things that we can offer to the people we love. They don't even have to know about it, but it's nice when you can say, I'm praying for you, and to really be committed to that time of prayer for people, especially when they're going through really difficult times. If we could see the grace that comes down into people's lives through our little prayers, we would be praying a lot more. I know, and it's in some ways, it's it's my, my yoke is light, like, just go. You don't have to make it. It's like not like it's like not our efforts that make the prayer efficacious. It's it's God's grace that yes. makes it efficacious. So it isn't like I have to. I used to be really crazy about that. I'd be like, I was afraid to say the rosary because I'm like I'm not paying enough attention. <laughs> I'm spacing out, and I, it would take me like two hours. I'd be like, Hail Mary, who's Mary, full of grace. Okay, she has grace. <laughs> 
the Lord is with thee. And you're very intellectual. Yeah. Well, I'm very, I'm very hard on myself. Yeah. And I really, and and really realizing that the grace of the Rosary, which is like this brand new thing in my life that I've been praying. What a gift. It's great. I mean, it's like you kind of you kind of get into it and you, and you realize that it isn't a burden and you're not necessarily sometimes you're thinking sometimes you're not I do the scriptural rosary that yes. helps to like yes. bring me into it but it's like this quiet can get kind of quiet and um, that's, that's just helped me that's helped me greatly but I, what what I'm realizing is that prayer really matters and par- participating in it just it, it's an incredible and, and this is one of the things I'm going to be talking about this weekend because in my conversion there's no way I had the ability to go from you know in this case being pro-choice to being pro-life like I'm not that strong I'm not that smart I'm not that brave at all like what did it it's God's grace Amen. but it's prayers yeah and I'm like, I'm so indebted to all these people being like, wow, that's like really great that you just threw out these prayers, like for somebody who's working at Land Baronhood, like, well, it's me, <laughs> you know, because there's, there, I did not yeah. do that, do that on my own. So participating in, in God's grace has, um, I, I just thank every, I thank any of you out there who happen to be praying and you don't see the, um, how efficacious your prayers have been because they have been because they changed me and I'm sitting here right now with Letty Medina on the Catholic radio show. <laughs> exactly. And all the praise goes to our dear Lord. Yeah. Um, Linda, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your beautiful heart, your beautiful faith, your beautiful, humble, you know, expression of your journey. Um, I, you know, I think uh, Mother Mary is going to be guiding you even deeper into that heart of our Lord because that's what she does yeah and so I'm so glad that you have found joy in that rosary and um, thank you for being a witness of faith uh, by sharing your story which is amazing I know but it's a beautiful part of sharing God's grace and the power of prayer to bring people back to our dear Lord absolutely God bless you thank you until we meet again we'll see you next month on Healing the whole person. This is Letty Medina. Bye. You have been listening to Healing the Whole Person on WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. For more information about this program or to purchase additional CD copies, please call us at 224-206-8455. That's 224-206-8455. Or visit us online at wsfiradio.org. Your faith is moving now.